Hi everyone, welcome back to this week's episode. Um, in today's episode, what we're talking about is mental health and not only mental health, but mental health in men and the stigma that kind of surrounds that. So with that being said, I'm Q. And I'm A. And this is Q&A. Hey everyone, that's right, as Steven said, we're focusing today's topic on the stigma around men and mental health, and for the first time we're joined by a guest, uh, this is my brother, uh, intro and outro music courtesy of him, Torn Soul, ETG Nilla, Lil Nilla, am I missing any names? You missed Lil, Lil Cream. Cream. Uh, Lil Cream, <laughs> yes. Lil Cream. I don't know where he uh, came from, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Kyle only has one name, Kyle. <laughs> or, or buddy <laughs> or Q we'll go by yeah, Q yeah, do Q or Q yeah, tip oh that's true I forgot yeah. no I'm Q tip oh, oh that's no, no, right I gave up Q tip to him and then I became Q man what on the gamer tag right for Xbox no no just in general I went from Q tip in high school and then I was Q man mm-hmm. and I let him be Q tip oh, I was okay. called Q man yeah, yeah by who Theodore who's Theodore my friend Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Anyway, we're gonna kick right into it. Uh, this was Matt's idea. Um, so for me, seeing yeah, I went to school for psychology. I did all this. Um, it's not what I ended up doing in my career. So I do. I have seen the stigma firsthand for you know mental health in men, not only through schooling but also just you see it in general. Mm. It's been a whole thing our whole lives, and for really the entirety of the human race for the most part civilized human race anyway well i would say so it's only really come out like recently that like people are more open about talking about it yeah like, even when we were in high school it wasn't really open no you didn't talk about yeah. it yeah no not at all i mean yeah. it, generally and that's even just mental health in general you just didn't no one talked about it no like you knew people that were struggling with things but you didn't discuss it but especially in terms of like men it's kind of this like pride thing you know the whole boys don't cry type mindset which you know not true i think everyone in today's climate knows that but it still has that stigma of you don't talk about these things you're a guy bottle it up inside don't worry about it Mm -hmm. yeah well i feel like i don't know like coming from i guess my background on things right like i feel like growing up i was always more emotional than most people like well most men for sure definitely a lot more fluffy than most men if you know me (laughs) in multiple ways in multiple ways (laughs) and so i just feel like you know growing up like you know emotions were always like super talked about um in my house and stuff like that and so i always felt comfortable like talking about certain things but you know i remember when i got to high school um everyone kind of felt like like and i think i talked about this in a different podcast kyle i don't remember what i think you know i think growing up or like moments that defined us i think it was number episode two mm. actually but like you know you get to high school everyone seems to have their shit together uh and then you're just left there thinking that like you're just this outlier broken individual you know what i mean and like makes you feel even like worse about yourself realistically you know? more of us were feeling that way than you think yeah realistically a lot of people were just like masking how they felt you know what i mean and, and i even brought up that one episode that student i had that mm-hmm. said like she wishes it was through google meet because it was you know covid error it was my first year and she's like mr ash i just wish that like i was like a normal student and i'm like well you are normal i said no one here is normal i said well you're gonna realize you're gonna like graduate high school get older and then you're gonna run into people again and you're gonna realize there's a lot more depth and issues to people than they ever let on like people just had this facade you know but i would definitely say in terms of you know mental health and stuff like that uh definitely more women were open about it right and that was more acceptable Mm -hmm. versus men you never heard about it you know, and I know a lot of people's dads that I knew from sports or whatever, they like they weren't the type of guys that I would I would have gone to if they were my father to be like oh, that. Hell no. E- even my own dad, I felt like a little awkward, like going to, you know what I mean? Because usually men a lot of times don't give you that like same feeling of like compassion and like no. 
like acceptance of it, you know? And so even though my dad is kind of la-di-da, you know, like he's not really the most intimidating person and he cares, but like, it's just different, you know? Uh, but for me, I feel like back in high school, I wasn't going out of my way to tell people like I was going to therapy, you know, I don't even think I told you for a while, Kyle, and you're like my best friend. And I don't think I like name dropped that I was doing that at least for, you know, a decent Probably portion a while. of time. Yeah. 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 Cause starting in eighth grade and I definitely didn't tell you, Oh Kyle, guess what? I got, I got picked up from school to go see no. a therapist. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I didn't even like saying I had extra time, let alone that I was like really struggling with stuff, you know? No, I, um, you know, I probably found out probably ninth or 10th grade that you were so probably at least a year or two would have gone by before I, think I even it was knew a about year it or two yeah. before I really said anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. But again, I think at the end of the day, like going through therapy, cause I like really figured myself out and stuff. I think that I actually, after going through it, felt that much better equipped than people that didn't. Because I just feel like I looked at life differently and I looked at issues differently and stuff like that. And I felt that in a way, like it was good. I felt like I had like the upper hand in life because I knew how to like emotionally handle situations better because I like had to figure it out for so long. Whereas unfortunately, like some people never felt comfortable really saying how they felt to the, maybe it was both parents or maybe they didn't have parents or you know what I mean? Like for a variety of reasons and you're just left to sit in turmoil and then sometimes that's where like unhealthy behaviors take over, right? And like fortunately for me, I never really had unhealthy behaviors. You know, I, I kind of like just figured it out. But like, you know, I saw, went to therapy like once a week or once every other week. So there was never really much room for that to develop because I got, my mom saw it occurring and then she was like, all right, we're gonna like figure this out and figure out what you're going through. And so I was able to kind of go through relatively peacefully, but as we know, not all paths are as clear cut and clean, despite all being difficult in their own ways. So, yeah. And you know, I, you know, when I found out your own therapy, I'd never thought anything different. It's just one of those things like there's that stigma behind it, but at the end of the day, no one really cares. No one really cares. It almost makes you wonder, like, where where did the, the stigma even come from? Just a you know societal I mean? norm of guys are supposed to be the tough, you know. Alpha male. Tough alpha male. Yeah, like, doesn't show the emotions. You. Yeah. Gladiator days. Gladiator. <laughs> Ready yeah, to think, take on a lion. you line. think Andrew Tate is going to <clears throat> therapy? No. <laughs> we didn't have that. We didn't have Andrew Tate back in the day to guide us young men. Andrew Tate's his own therapist. Well, I guess. He I might need know. it after dropping the soap in his little prison oh, cell over there. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, again, I think even that whole mentality, there, there's always a level. You don't know people that often, but a lot of times when I see dudes that have, like, too much bravado, I'm like, dude. Now they got something going something's on. Something's going on. Like, because you just got to, like, amplify this this almost fake sense of like self-worth to make you feel better you know so you know there's something behind every behavior so even when you see someone that's like a complete tool you mm -hmm. know what i mean or acts way better there's always something behind the scenes you know they might be go home and be miserable but then they play off a different life to you on the outside but against that whole thing like for men at least i feel like toughness was used as the ultimate facade that nothing was wrong and that everything was going right when a lot of when you look at it, it's actually the flip side of the coin. It's it's like the exact opposite. It's like when people post about their relationships constantly, it's usually a sign that they're not that great. A lot of times, it's what people project out is what they wish it was, and it's not what it is. And I feel like mental health in men is like exactly that to a T. Yeah, I agree. And you know, there there are times that I probably should have gotten help. Like there are times I probably yeah, should have gone to therapy. I had some yeah. low points. Tell me about it. So for me, it was kind of like a, not that I didn't feel comfortable going to my parents about, you know, things. I just never did, mm -hmm. you know, other than like, oh, I'm upset. But there, you know, there have been many times I was much more than upset <laughs> about some things. Um, I'm not going to go in specific exactly what those things really were a lot of it stemmed from things i do get pretty anxious a lot anxiety is something that i kind of have to work through i don't do anything for it i just kind of push through and this thing that why in previous podcasts i've been very adamant about the fact that when you have anxiety it's something you have to push through mm -hmm. and work with it like you know you take that you have to work against that anxiety 
put yourself into uncomfortable situations so you can rise above that level and not let it define you. I have a lot of times where I'm in, you know, social situations. I get so, like social anxiety quite a bit, but I push through it. I don't just go sit in the corner, you know. And you know what's weird, Kyle, is like that's like same with my thing. Is that I never really knew that about you until we were like already of college age. I don't think I ever realized that you like got stressed and worried and stuff like that. Oh yeah, because you're I, always like cute, cute. You're always cool, <laughs> cute. You're oh my god, you're always as cool as a cucumber. You know what I mean? At least through high school, you're always just super me- mellow. I know? try, and you know, I try. I, that's the only thing I actively try to do. I am a very mellow guy in general, but you know, when it comes to social situations and things like that, it's something that I have to kind of force myself to go and do. Mm-hmm. And there's never been a time that I've let that stop me from doing anything, which that's something that I kind of pride myself in. But then there's also, we're going to spin off from the anxiety thing. Um, in a related way, one thing that I struggled with for quite a few years there was relationship anxiety. Oh, yeah. And that was a big thing. And that led to, you know, me and Christina being on again, off again for a while. Because there were things that I was doing that were, you know, not not great, if we're going to be honest. Not, not for was... a healthy relationship at the time. My anxiety kept taking root of, like me, and it would make me ask things. So for anyone that doesn't know if you have relationship anxiety, a lot of times you are seeking validation and reassurance to the point where it's an unhealthy amount and this is something that i found myself falling into the trap of many times into an unhealthy for both myself and christina's sake uh, unhealthy amount where it just be constantly needing that reassurance like everything's okay and i don't know where it came from it didn't really stem from anything it just kind of happened Dude, I think it happened just because, like, that one time you broke up, and I think that just made you, like, anxious that, like, when you did get back together, you were somehow going to mess it up again. And yep. then it just kind of tail, it just curtailed from there. And then it snowballed after that yeah. into that happening a few times after that as well. We're great now. You know, we've we patched things up. I, you know, I worked on myself and kind of realized that this is a problem. I need to stop doing this. Realistically, should I have gone to therapy because then you know it's the it's the spiral where that also kind of put me in like a depressive state for you know quite a while and that's something that should i have gone to therapy about and worked through those problems in a healthier manner yeah absolutely uh do i regret not doing that yeah but you know here i am Uh, i would encourage everyone to forget about whatever stigma you think about if you think you need it just go and get it. Yeah. Well, Kyle, I think with you, it definitely was a stigma partially that was put, preventing you from going to go to therapy. Yeah. Because you could have. Like, you had health insurance. You had others. At least you could have, I think. I had the means your... to do it. But for me, it was definitely a mental stigma of, you know, my own I think it was like my a pride. Own pride. Thing, yeah. It wasn't so much a stigma against, like, the men thing. For me, it was my own pride of, like, I can work myself through this. Mm-hmm. And then it would be fine for a little while. And then it wouldn't. Yeah. Like, out of nowhere, I would just start again with the questions. That's what we referred to it as when it was going on. Because it would always be the same, like, three or four questions on a near daily basis. Yeah. And it would drive me nuts, and it would drive her nuts. Well, Kyle, I think in a lot of ways, like, and I I would tell you this, because you, I think this is around the time when I realized you did struggle with anxiety and stuff like that. Uh, Because up until that point, I don't think you ever really talked about anxiety stuff but i remember me you talked a lot of times on this topic in the past whether it was mcdonald's sodas or like wherever we're hanging out or on the phone but like there's so many parallels to what you were going through and then what i went through because ultimately i think like relationship anxiety is like you got it from the other end though oh well i did get it from the other end yeah but uh i would say that um like in relationships wise we're speaking out my own, my OCD my OCD was far different but like i'm just saying that you know yours was like a subsection where you needed reassurance that like everything was fine in your relationship yeah. whereas my OCD was constant question like questions too but my mom was my outlet of like asking her is this okay like am i okay and like reassurance that i'm okay so one is reassurance yours was reassurance of are we okay and mm-hmm. then mine was 
like reassurance, am I okay? But they took on the same form. And a lot of times, if there's anything I learned about like OCD or just anxiety in general is that it like, it lies to you. Like it, it thinks you, not lies, it's not like you got voices in your head telling you like, oh, I'm lying to you, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's, that's crazy. But, but I'm just saying like, you realize in hindsight, it lies to you because it, it puts the plants the seed of worry, right? Gets you to start overthinking about it. And then it makes you believe that me voicing that worry to somebody will just make it go away. When in reality, again, like how we talked in another podcast about how we place value in things, like your value is in yourself and nothing else. And so, you know, what someone else has to say has no relevance. But for whatever reason, you convinced yourself that what they had to say was all you needed. So it helps you for like a moment. And then it's not long before it's the next day or the next hour or whatever. And there's another issue that you need to ask a question for, get reassurance for. It just sucks you in there, you know? So a lot of times it's coming to terms with, um, you know what, I'm not going to let, like, this worry isn't real uh, and this worry doesn't define me. And like, that's like, you know, in my head. Um, but outside of that, in reality, there's nothing actually wrong. And I think you get caught up feeling the feeling inside you and not perceiving the world outside you and like that's how people spiral but when you realize there's nothing actually wrong it's all your own perception and the value you place in nonsense that is crippling you uh then that's kind of like where you start to figure out the recovery yeah and for me i know this thing that either of you can relate to steven you probably because it kind of goes along with ocd in a way for me my brain the way my brain works and it's kind of what led to my you know anxiety issues things like whatever is my brain fixates once something happens my brain fixates on that <laughs> doesn't matter what it is doesn't matter how many times i'm told something different or whatever if it's something that like i'm worried about i will fixate on it for days and i will feel not right for days on end whether it's something going on at, you know, something that sets something stressful at work. Yeah. You know, I've, I'm coming off of like two, three really stressful weeks of work in a row. And last weekend is a long holiday weekend. It was, you know, President's Day holiday had long weekend. And for most of it, I just didn't even feel like myself. Mm -hmm. I would just, just shot. Blah. Yeah. I would just, you know, I kind of just wanted to lay down, relax and sleep and my brain would just not stop fixating on the stuff from the week beforehand uh. and I couldn't knock myself out of it. it took me so long to get myself back into like the normal routine of things well see that's the part of it I've, I've had days where like sometimes like there's something bothering me and I can let it go in a snap and other days it just like lingers and it's like annoying you know what I mean and um Again, I feel like for me, sometimes like one, one funny thing in relation to this that happens to me sometimes is my interactions with other people. So like if I have an awkward interaction with somebody sometimes, then I'll actually like replay it over in my head. Like I, I keep overthinking all it and I'm like, time. oh yep. my God, oh my God, oh my God. You know what I mean? I'm like, that's like a silly one that I think everyone does that all like whether you have OCD oh, yeah. or nothing, everyone just overthinks their, that, you know? I have conversations that I had back in like middle school or high school that i still replay in my head and i'm like why did i do that <laughs> like still like, i can remember awkward. like the conversation i could like visualize that whole thing i'm just like i cringe thinking about it i'm like why did i do that why did i say that and it's something that i guarantee you those people have no recollection of no it only just matters forgot to about yeah if i was ever to go up to those people and be like do you remember this they'd be like what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I've had that happen where I had an interaction with somebody once and I, and I told them I was like, sorry if I like came off this way or I seemed this, I forget. But I was so in my head about it and they're like, dude, I didn't even notice. And I was just like, I'm like, yo, I hate my brain. Like, because like there's nothing wrong. You just like, you can't convince yourself that there's nothing wrong. And then you realize you only place meaning in the moment and no one else around you gave two shits about anything. You know? And it's the same whether it's because of your interactions with another person or just your own mental juggling of things in your own head that like none of it really matters. It's all your own perception of what matters, you know? Mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't know. Oh man, he gave me the look. Yeah, Kyle definitely <laughs> right, knew that. Um, well, I was kind of just intaking all this 
or I was taking all this information in. Yeah. Do you feel like you were and, like, because me and Kyle like have somewhat different, but somewhat overlapping. Yeah. Did you feel like you were So like, I was, I was kind of going to bridge it together and okay. take it from both sides. Um, I think it was really interesting what you were talking about in terms of kind of covering up what you're really feeling, mm-hmm. masking it. Um, I know that when I was in high school, everybody kind of saw me as like this clown and yeah Matt was the cool kid I yeah, was yeah I always thought that well, Matt nah, was like nah, the cool <laughs> popular kid I wasn't I wasn't really popular right, Matt, don't be humble on the podcast no, no I'm not being <laughs> humble <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't really the popular kid but you know I was kind of like I I mingled with everyone and I guess everyone kind of saw me as like the class clown but as the years went on and on I started becoming more and more um or I was sinking into this hole of like, you know, why why do I feel this anxiety when I'm around people? Why do I have to compensate for it with my humor, if that's the right word? Mm-hmm. Um, and I still don't really have an answer other than I just feel more natural when I'm making jokes about things that other people probably wouldn't make jokes about. Um, yeah, well, I feel yeah. like, I feel like, I don't know, sometimes you do hear that about people that are funny. Like, you do hear that a lot. Like, I think there was that one book, uh, Laughing at My, oh my God, it was called some Laughing at My Misery, or it's some book, and it's this comedian that wrote it, and he did the same exact thing. Like, he was, he was, like, funny and stuff like that, but behind the scenes, like, struggling really hard. Um, but I, mean, I do, like, like Robin Williams. Well, exactly. And I think this goes with the same thing about the whole, like, what you project outwards a lot of times is what you wish it was and not necessarily how you feel on the inside. You know what I mean? But, you know, I find it interesting, Matt, that you kind of, like, parallel Kyle because you are related. So genetically speaking, I guess, like, it could be a parallel there. But you both seem to have, like, a like a similar feeling towards, like, social anxiety. Like, yeah. when you're interacting with other people. I find it interesting that Matt it uses it as a he uses like humor and being more upbeat around people in a way almost in a way taking himself to a social aspect where I am like yes, the opposite where I kind of well, like close out of it I kind of just close out and like if I'm not in an event or like going to something I just kind of hang out like I'm yeah I didn't even think about that guy. yeah because that is true you kind of turn off and Matt turns on I would you know say I mean? um you said something about it earlier, but about overcoming that anxiety. I would say I kind of use mine as an advantage. And of course it holds me back in some mm-hmm. areas, but mm-hmm. I would say I use it as an advantage to kind of loosen myself up, warm up to people. And I don't know. If they don't like it, they don't like it, but yeah, I got to do what I have to do. So. That's true. You know? Yeah, I mean, for me... Matt uses like humor to like open up. I kind of use music. That's always been my go-to like coping mechanism. And we've talked yeah. about this on a couple of different podcasts now. Yeah. Um, but that's always been my go-to. Like lyrics speak a lot to me, so I always kind of turn to that for coping and you know things like that. So that's always been my kind of my kind of form of therapy, I guess you could say. Like whenever I'm in a mood or anything, that's the first thing I go to. Is, music and things like that no i totally agree and we did say another podcast but like that sad music it's weird like you almost listen to sad music and then it's like sad and you feeling sad plus sad music negates out and you get a positive out of it like you kind of like uh it reminds me of uh kids of yesterday by my chemical romance mm-hmm. i don't know if i just got to chill randomly or i got to chill from thinking that but okay. it's like you only hear the lyrics when your heart begins to break yep and i think it's so true because like when i'm in a good mood sometimes i'm just like I'm like, hell yeah, I love the beat and stuff like that. And then other times when you're really sad and you really hear the lyrics, you're like, wow, that was really deep. And I've had songs where I've heard the song a million times and it wasn't until one day where I was like super down and I was just like really more focused on what was being said. I was like, wow, that's really deep. I never really like thought about it, you know? Mm-hmm. I was just like the song for what it was. But I know like for me and you, Kyle, we both listened to music. We both played music. We both wrote music, you know. I even had the Stephen Ashley EP at one point. I learned piano because saddest <laughs> instrument of all time, maybe next to some string <laughs> instruments. But I was like, it just it like I tried my best to learn it. And I wrote my own EP and like playing piano made me feel better. Like and that was especially like that was freshman year of college. I was like deep in the pits of like just despair. Uh, 
and I'd go down whenever I was home for break and I would do like be down there for like three hours trying to like figure out notes and like or like lyrics and whatever but to me like that was feeling better and that was at a time when I, I didn't go to therapy anymore because like I wasn't consistently home to go maybe I would go once every now and then but but that was like the new therapy but Matt, it kind of reminds me of you because I know that, you know, for a while you were just, you know, chilling. And then when it came out, you were kind of like struggling with stuff. I know I feel like it correlates when you, you kind of start doing music and you feel your feelings in a lot of your songs towards stuff. Yes, sir. And I would say um, sometimes making music, you know, writing my own, uh, it kind of adds on to those negative feelings. Interesting. You mean it, yeah. wait, it makes you feel more negative? Yeah. Oh, I thought you you worded that wrong for a second. Nope. Oh, I, that's I, interesting. Uh, that you interesting. know, sometimes it helps. Other times, it almost feels like a task. Is it because you're putting yourself mentally into and yeah, like that and, darker place? Yep. Oh. I'm putting myself into the hole that I had to take myself out of. So I think that's true. different is because now you're out of that hole. So yeah. now you're putting yourself back in there if you're trying to reach into there for like, inspiration for a song. Yep. Whereas if you're in that hole already and you're writing it to vent it out, I feel like that might be a little bit different. And my best music came from when I was in that hole. That is true. Yes, well, that's exactly what we were saying in the, the in the last podcast, or the last podcast we recorded, I should say, mm -hmm. was about how, you know, um, some of the best music we wrote was when we were like you know, upset or angsty or whatever. And now as adults, we, we don't have anything because we're not, we're not mad or upset anymore. Like we're content, you yeah. know? I mean, I've tried to write music again for, and I can write instrumentals. You know, I have no issues writing, grabbing a, a guitar or my bass or whatever and writing an instrumental and even a melody. I can't write lyrics to save my life for the past four years now. We should be able to write happy songs more. now. See, that's the thing, like, I feel like the music that we played, like, the music that I would write, doesn't lend itself so much to overtly happy I feel like lyrics. too happy is cringy and inauthentic, I mean, but I feel like Pharrell's you could be happy in it. Happy. Just... It's the most annoying, inane, annoying oh song God, in the world. Oh my God, I that song. Because it's a song that just takes that feeling and just literally just it, it there's no it, subtext to it it made me it's sad happy <laughs> pharrell's happy made me sad you, Steven, no i will not let you live this down you said at one point when it first came out that that was the song of our generation i think i was joking it was the you. record store day line no I you were not because joking. you didn't say it to us you said it to the guy online at record store day was when this where we were eating a loaf of bread Yes. The day that you <laughs> we just had a, a soul loaf of bread. It we was... looked like psychopaths. <laughs> All right. Well, con <laughs> context. This was back in 2013 or 14 when Green oh. Day put out the record store day release, uh, Demolicious. Dude, I couldn't even drive you. My mom drove me. My mom picked me up from there. Really? Yep. I remember she picked you up. I thought there was a different reason because I drove us there. Oh, wait, maybe we could drive, but my mom picked me yeah, up. Yeah, because I drove us all there. Okay. I think maybe I had to go somewhere. Oh, yep. But, yeah, so that was... We were there for that, but we had to line up early. Like, we got to the store, what, like, it was dark. We usually got there, like, 4 in the morning yeah, to line up. Like we that. went to Walmart at, like, 3 a.m., and we oh. brought bread with nothing to put on the bread, <laughs> cookies, and some drinks. So <laughs> And we just sat there for hours <laughs> online at this record store. Yes, we got the item. We got the the CD yeah. time. But yeah, back to happy. I guess I guess somewhere along the way, I was also thinking that happy was a generational song. <laughs> yeah, I will say in your defense, that's when it first came out and wasn't severely overplayed at that time. I think time it just yet. came out. And it I was, came like, out it was kind of catchy. Ago. Yeah, it was catchy when it first came. But out. I've heard it so many times. I can hear it in my head right now, and it just it cripples me. Well, that's how I feel about. Justin Timberlake's "Can't Stop the Feeling." Oh, I hate that. When it first came out, it was it, I enjoyed. I loved it. that song. No, but now it's same exact vibe as "Happy." It like it really. I hear it now, and it like makes my like blood curdle. It's like I, I cringe so hard at it. Happy but, songs make you sad, and sad songs make you happy. Do you think that's kind of like human nature? What? I don't. It's it's weird because you would think that happy songs would be the ones that don't get old. And sad songs. Well, I think it's. That's I think it comes down to a lot of the songs that are happy are kind of mindless and. They're mindless and they're simple. 
Yeah. Like, it's There's like no a depth. simple, like, sugary pop ha- song. A lot of yeah. the sadder and, like, angrier songs I do think- tend to be in genres that have more going on musically, so there's more there's more to listen to. Like, there's still times where there will be a song that I've heard for years, and I'll listen to it again after a while, and I'm like, huh, I never really listened to that instrument in this song. Like, yeah. I never really, like, picked that apart, you know? Yeah. That is really weird. I bring back to what Matt said there is that, like, I agree, like, in a way, like, musically speaking, I think happy is very surface level, but sadness is depth. Yeah. You know what I mean? And while we're on the topic of music and, you know, mental health and all that, this is something that I've been noticing in the recent years, probably the past 10 years now, is, I'm not saying the music of today is bad, I'm never that... I'm never that guy to say that I already all know kids' where you're music going. is bad. Uh-huh. But I have seen an increase in recent years, probably the past 10 years, of significantly more mental health issues. And this is, you know, I know we're, we were focusing on like the topic of men earlier, but this yeah. is just an all-across-the-board uh-huh. thing. But in correlation with that, there's also been this significantly higher trend, probably started about the mid-2010s, and is still going now. We might be coming out of it a little bit. Hopefully. But it's just this trend of these simplistic, all the biggest like radio songs, simplistic, almost nothing going on musically, and just depressing as hell. No, really oh, sad. Like the lyrics yeah. are just so depressing. It started with What's and Her I'm Face? Just, she was one of the... Uh, Lord. Well, Lord, Lord no, Lord, Lord was Royals. one of the originators, but it really didn't, didn't take or, off until Billie yeah. Eilish was like a huge... Lord didn't bring... She didn't bring the sadness. She brought those like minimalistic pop stylings that became big very shortly after. And then it was around before Billie Eilish, and then it really took off. And it's just all depressing shit. It's awful. And I don't understand it because I'm like, it are people more depressed because they're now hearing this on the radio? All and their role no models escape. Yeah. yeah. Is that the case, or is this popular? Because because more people are depressed. I don't know. I almost feel like it might it might have became more popular because people were depressed, kind of like how you like sad songs when you're sad. And I feel like it, but it's weird because pop music when we were kids was always like even, super upbeat. Even when we were teenagers, yeah, you no, go teenagers cosmic bowling, like, and it was that was like the Metro Station, Katy Perry, Lady oh, Gaga, the Britney Spears um, comeback when she Britney Spears did. Have we had a lot of like the EDM beats behind our pop music. Oh, we did also EDM kind of took a mainstream. Yeah, point of view for a little bit, like Titanium, David yep. Guetta, Titanium, and Kesha. Kesha uh, was big. Heart Attack, Demi Lovato. Oh, Heart Attack, yeah. yeah. But again, that was like that stuff was exciting and like happy, and you could do it. But now, like God, if they had the base Cosmic Bowling off solely of like current pop music, it'd be like being invited to a funeral. Like if there was a bowling yeah. alley in a funeral home, it's just like. Yeah. It's just sad music. They even look at New Year's Rock and Eve this year. I made the post on Facebook, Kyle, like crapping all over. Because it was just like sad, low beat songs. Like there was no excitement. So it's like, yeah, let's ring in the new year. It's like, oh my God, it's like Olivia Rodrigo. That's the biggest one right now. Oh, for sure. Or at least last year. Yeah, she was huge last year. Huge last year. Mm -hmm. And they had that one, uh, is her name Dove? Dove Cameron. Dove Cameron. She has that one song about uh, her boyfriend or her boy. No, but I think she actually is kind oh, of like coming out in the song. In no, way. I think she's bi or yeah, yeah, she's bi or something. Like the song represents that, but, but it's a the, sad oh, sounding it's song. Oh, like, I could be a better could, boyfriend than yeah. you. Yes, or but that, it's that's it, one but it's lines. such yeah. a sad like melancholy song, and I'm just like, we want excite. I want exciting music. Like it's New Year's. The most exciting thing that happened on New Year's. Most the best performance I thought was. That dumb Victoria's Secret song by Jax. The one, oh, like, I know that Victoria's was good. Yes, I agree. That was a good performance. That was pretty good. Because it was fun. Yeah, it was fun. It's a stupid fun song, and I enjoyed yeah. it. But everything else that I hear so much about on the radio, mainstream radio, like these number ones are just depressing as shit. Dude, but I just want to know, like, where did the, where did, like, like Justin Bieber was on constantly when we were growing up. The but music like he even, came back in, with in was recent, lame. What? The music he came back with it was, was lame. Sad. It was all sad. Oh, it was all sad. Oh, that's right. Like Peaches and stuff like that. Oh, I like Peaches. I like the right. song, I think, I think, but I'm but thinking you, that around that time If you period. dive into the rest of the songs on the albums that he came out with recently, a lot of it is that same 
ghost sad boy stuff but i think justin bieber is a good example of being yeah he did have ghosts i forgot about that that's but actually kind of good i think that is good no he has good. he has but some good songs but, it's, it's but it is sad, sad. I mean, but i think if there's anything you learn about justin bieber it, and this is also again relating to the stigma of mental health is that i i think i'm not entirely positive but i think he was going through stuff if i'm not mistaken uh probably or or he was just you know um i, I think he was going through stuff and it could have just been like the whole aspect of being like a young and being a select like one of the most famous people in the world and stuff but i think you saw him kind of fall he had this horrible behavior when he was like our age and he kind of acted mm -hmm. like a jerk but i think given like stuff he's kind of come out with later on like i think he was just going through a lot of shit and i think it was projected in a different way but now i think that he's comfortable expressing how he feels towards things you could tell he's a like completely different individual now than he was when he was younger well i mean yeah i mean look at it in terms of when he got famous mm -hmm. and in terms of how you know people our age acted like i, I did some things that were kind of like douchey <laughs> like in in that age you know like mm -hmm. he never got that opportunity well, that's he true. Had and now to he's go in the spotlight. The public being spotlight. That, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's so true. Like, I did stupid things when I was. So maybe it had that nothing age. to do with it, but I think that, like, he. I think. I don't think I'm oh, making it up, but I think he went through stuff. I think yeah. he was going yeah. through stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I mean, even look at Post Malone, for example. Oh, that's a good one, yeah. His big songs, most of his songs, are all depressing lyrically. Yeah. But they have they have an upbeat. They do. That is true. He did better now. Yeah, rich and sad. I love rich, rich and, and sad. sad. That's a good song. A thousand oh bad times. Yep. That's I've never been rich, one. but I've sure have been sad, and that song hit me mm -hmm. in my feels. Do you think the uh, the industry as a whole is the reason why everything's so sad? Do you think it's a way of kind of conspiracy theory time? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so, but it's pro. I think it's that it's profitable right now. Yeah, I, it's I don't the think the industry is making it that way. I think that the industry just goes along with the current Whatever trends. Makes money. If you go back, let's look at the historical trends for a second. The mid to late '80s, hair metal was like the the big thing. Your Motley Crue, your Poison, Def Leppard, like the fun, like you know, looking back on it, I love the music, but it's some of the like most lame looking things. But it was fun. It was upbeat fun party music right mm -hmm. and then the 90s happened and it was grunge and then all those hair metal bands pretty much died off for a decade mm -hmm. for at least half a decade and you can kind of again see that also reflected in the the outfit like the clothing everything yeah. clothing and music often the, the whole culture changed yeah. so then you saw a shift in the music industry from and i don't think the music industry was driving that i think it's just the response to trends in the culture happening yes. and then you know just as those trends become popular record labels aren't going to sign like a band a, a label in the 90s is not going to look at a new hair metal band and say we're signing you just like a label today which a lot of people are independent today but a label today wouldn't look at a katy perry clone like a early 2010s katy perry and think she's knock off be big and now. sign her thinking yeah this is the new this is gonna be a big artist that's true yeah they don't really know until it just takes off to like be honest and this thing that oh this makes my blood boil this grinds his gears it really does that sam smith and kim petras song unholy oh, is I one of the worst song. songs i've heard song. in the past probably decade and the thing is what kim has it's like to the body shop. Oh, it's that. Yes. I hate that I'm one. I'm feeling unholy. I just hate, I that, hate song. that song. It's Lord. awful. That song has come on when I woke up in the morning. I'm like, oh god, yes. I have to get out of bed to turn my alarm. Yes. But on the flip side, Sam Smith has always been that lame crap. I've never liked anything he's done. But Kim Petras. She has some absolute oh, bangers. Kills it. She. Yeah absolutely kills it uh-huh but now her most popular song the one that she won a grammy for that's crazy is just this monotonous lame borderline depressing song kim if you're listening to this one day you are so much more than sam smith yeah. and you deserved an award for so many more songs other than that song 
Oh my god, Heart to Break. Oh my Heart to Break. She had that other song. I'm trying to think what it was. Do me. Wasn't do me, do yep. me, do me like that. So good. Yeah. Oh my god. I can't remember the other song I really like. Off but, top but there's, of a, bunch there's that a bunch that should have gone really awards. good. But yeah. it goes to show that those songs didn't really make any waves it because they were though. fun songs. And those they were came after out the fact. When we were in, in high, high school, school, back in like 2010 to 2013, Heart to break totally those would have been, been the radio. absolute massive yeah. songs, like mm-hmm. talking like chart-topping yes. songs. Oh my god, yes. But now, and you know, maybe she is foreign from across. Yeah, I think she's in from Germany. Germany. Yeah. Maybe they were bigger there. I don't know. But here they kind of boiled under, and now all of a sudden. She's massive with that song. Yeah. So it just goes to show, I don't think it's the music industry necessarily. I think it's them. And we, we can expand that out past music to stores. Mm. Look at Hot Topic. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Different. Everyone yeah. thinks, everyone was all pissed off when Hot Topic kind of changed their business model, right? From all this dark, music-oriented things, goth stuff, to now it's like geared towards like, weebs and anime fans quirky it's kind of quirky weird. like adventure weird. time and yeah. steven universe and it's weird it's and then weird. they have the one little rack of band shirts in the back yeah but the store in essence was to keep up with the culture mm. but they perpetuate it so that's the thing like like none of these things whether it's a store or whether it's the music industry they don't create it but they perpetuate it so that's why it lasts forever right? mm-hmm. what it's how you market it well yeah exactly yeah i mean look at they they changed their logo. They oh. changed, and that was a long time ago. Did they changed they? that. Did now. They changed their logo. Well, this is you were probably don't even remember the old one. Ah, uh, probably not. The old logo was like was very it pink. It was red. It was very oh, metal red. looking. Yes. It was like the yeah, scratch yeah. marks. Oh and it was yeah. Like, yeah, like rips and stuff. Yeah. Then they kind of geared that, and they started phasing out all that stuff. Not necessarily because they were saying we're changing the culture, but because the culture itself was saying. All right, this like goth style, like these chain wallets and like this goth stuff's not really working anymore. It's not selling. Yeah. How are we going to keep this up and also, you know, stay afloat? The well, they're only time. trying to survive themselves, so they have to do what's going to make them the money, you know. Mm-hmm. But but it is true. So, I mean, yeah. So to wrap that back into the mental health thing, because yeah. we got a little off track right kind of there. May I go? Yeah. Awesome. So I was all right. This kind of has to do with music, but I was also just thinking. How many artists, male specifically, have overdosed or um, or have gained drug addiction and all of that? And if you look at the comparison to their music, it's often the ones that are expressing their what's going on in their heads. See, I don't know. I know Aaron Carter. Was Aaron Carter? No. Je- yeah, was Justin McCarter. Who's Aaron Carter? Aaron Carter was the one that just passed away mm-hmm. yes. from drugs, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, you have Juice World. Ju- oh yes, um, that was a bit different. That, yeah, his situation yeah, was, was a little different. different, but he was still addicted to, yes. to drugs. Yes. And, yes. and his music that. was very and heavily very, shown to yep. be like, yeah, mm-hmm. very dark. Yeah. Very yeah. Little Peep. I don't. I don't. I, I don't know how he died, much of yeah. him. Yeah. yeah but yeah. he also yep. overdosed. Mac Miller. Mac Miller. Oh my God! Yes. Mm-hmm. Think about all the all the guys. I mean, look at you know you can take it to any genre too. Uh, yeah. Nikki Six for Molly Crew. He died. Kurt Cobain. Uh, they brought him debatedly. back. You know, luckily for Nikki Six, they were able to bring him back after he overdosed. But uh-huh. he was clinically dead for a while. Then overdosed again a couple days after that. Oh my God. Kurt Cobain, huge heroin addict. Mm-hmm. It, the list goes on, and these listening to their music, most of them, it's not a surprise. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not a surprise. See, yeah. It's they're telling you, and it's just it's right in front of everyone. Oh my God, Chester Bennington. Chester we brought Bennington. him up in the la- in a few podcasts, mm-hmm. right? But yeah, just seeing like, but again, in and what was the last album Kyle called? One more light. One more light. You could feel it. Like if you listened to the album Which beforehand, it, but it, then you found out then he did what he did, and then you went back and listened to it. You're like, whoa! Like, what shocked me like, about that deep. one though is he actually didn't write the lyrics. To those songs, oh, he, he only wrote one or two of those songs. But that's the but weirdest part. He had the emotion in it because he was feeling that way. Yeah, that it carried it. Yeah, but do you think he put himself in that spot, making those songs that were already written? It might have been the directionality. He might have. I think. Do you in think his he kind of? He was already in a bad spot, and it's just speculation. But that album was so poorly received by fans, like beyond 
beyond normal criticism. People despised that album to the point where they were being just really, really like personally rude to the guys. Uh, and he was in interviews when people would you know criticize things, and even online he was getting very angry about it. And I don't think that that helped the case. I don't think so. Well, imagine pouring your heart into some for then people to yeah. like to shit Which on it. Which I personally think that was their best record. Yeah, I love that album. That's that really good songs in it. But when did that come out? 2017. A couple months before he died, so it was at 2017. You can say that, that long ago. You can say it was still in the phase of not really having the sad music be on the top of the food chain there. That's also true, right? yeah. though. Like, yeah, maybe if they released it today... I feel like rap more received. I feel like rap did a lot of that. But that is true. Yeah, I think rap yeah, did like rap sad did. rap. Yeah, yeah. yeah SoundCloud kind of rap. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Emo rap, little peep. Yeah. Uh, Juice World even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then again, that market just got oversaturated. Now a lot of those emo rap guys are doing, like pop punk. Yeah, they kind of altered themselves. Yeah, yeah. Have Machine Gun Kelly and his mentally unstable ass to think. Thanks for that one. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Machine Gun Kelly. <laughs> hey, don't get me wrong, I love Machine Gun Kelly. His first album doing that was great. The, the one after that was pretty good, too. I didn't like yeah. it. Really? Did I didn't like, like it. it. Steven, did you I like think it? it mm-hmm. I think it was missing everything that Tickets had. Really? I like yeah. the, the first one a lot better. Oh, I definitely like the first one better, but I thought Mainstream Solo was pretty good. I think he good. tried to do too much of a good thing. I think where Mainstream Solo fell flat is also it went too mentally, like he got too dark with it. Oh, yeah. In, to the point where there were parts that I was listening to it, and I was like, "Is he okay?" Well, he's literally Sid and Nancy. I mean, I love the song. I think it's a great song. I have but... my issues with that song because musically it's very good, but lyrically he's literally romanticizing a relationship yes. yep. in which someone murdered someone and then killed himself. Yep. What? Yeah. And I'm like, this is he's singing about it in like a way that's like romanticizing. Like, so I'm like, no, this is this is not good. Do not. You know what's even weirder is the song right after that, Twin Flame. Yeah, well, that's... A song for Megan Fox. Well, their relationship's I mean, kind of messed weird. up. They're, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't judge anyone else's whatever they do, but those two seem to have their own, their own issues. Oh, yeah. Like, if, like, yeah, if, like, depression was a couple, it'd be Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox. Or whatever, whatever thing you want to call that. And then if we want to, you know what, let's bring it to Kanye for a minute. We're going to get a little controversial here. Um, remarks, <sighs> his remarks of the recent months, stupid, terrible, mm-hmm. ridiculous. Still love I don't him. think anyone's defending that. Has the guy made great music? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, up until Donda. His better stuff was way long ago. Well, yeah. Donda and Donda 2 were pretty bad. I think Ye is top three. Ye is his best album. I, love I, I would agree with that, yeah. I love that record. But... He's mentally unstable. Mm-hmm. And no one is actually doing anything for him. Everyone's saying it, right? But who, what's anyone actually doing to help the, the guy? Does he want to get help, though? I don't get the vibe that, like, he... No, I don't get the vibe that he does. But when you have someone that's that bad, you can't trust them to want help. You yeah, because they won't... For, they won't they're not going to say... Issues, yeah. they're gonna, it's like when you have an intervention for someone. They're not voluntarily going there. Mm-hmm. You have to get everyone around them and say, hey, this is what's going on. You need to do this. But right, let's be real. He was a cash cow for the longest time, being yep. mentally unstable. He's making Adidas billions of dollars with well, his they brought Yeezys. Him back Did they bring him back? To just sell off the remaining amount. Oh, okay. Well, he gets the money for it. Really? Yeah. And then the minute he started saying things they didn't like, which, yes, stupid, <laughs> terrible oh, things yeah. to say... No one's denying that. But the minute that happened, everyone just dropped him. Yeah, but I think it takes someone that has been in that state to to realize that he doesn't know what he's saying. I uh, Honestly, I don't think he knows what he's saying. I don't think he knows what he's saying either. I he think just has episodes? I think he has he episodes. Has I think he has manic, by, manic yes. depressive episodes. Yep. Wow. Like, when he's up, he's up to the point where I don't think he's grounded in reality. I feel... Honestly, I feel bad for the guy. I do, too. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, and this isn't like a sexism thing, but I guarantee if it was a woman, the it would have been a totally different response. Britney Spears? 
Didn't she go? That's true. Yes, and look Lindsay at, look Lohan. At, I forgot about Free them. Britney. Yes. Yeah, look at that. And even before Free Britney, this yeah. is a little bit before your yeah, time. You were a little. Yeah, you were alive, but you weren't like too conscious of it. Remember back when Britney had her episode and shaved her head? Yep. I've heard about that. Yeah. Yeah, everyone called her crazy, but it wasn't this whole like. Demi Lovato had People wanted her to get help with Demi Kanye. Lovato has had multiple. Well, Demi Lovato still. That's a different story. But isn't she not? She's kind of like Lindsay Lohan in the past, and like, you know. But it's true. I I feel like I definitely, when it comes to like the mental health thing, even if it's not as like obvious as Kanye, right? I feel like the men are kind of just brushed over, but the yes. women get a lot of attention in terms of like mm-hmm. they got noticeable issues. With Kanye's mental health, it was just it was kind of a joke. That mm-hmm. like, oh, he's bipolar. That's Kanye being Kanye until he started being racist. <laughs> Uh-huh. And then people couldn't ignore it anymore, and it was, oh, we're acknowledging this, but we're not acknowledging it because of the mental health aspect. We're acknowledging it because of the fact that he's now spewing anti-Semitism on a national, you know, mm-hmm. on an international, you know, platform. Platform. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think people have to um, have to separate the art from the artist, personally, at least to an extent. I think Kanye West is one of the best uh, artists of our generation, or my generation at least. I think he fits more in our generation. Well, yeah, no, 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 but you got to think, who, like, who do we have? We have Drake. Drake's supposed to be the best artist? What? There's no depth in Drake, it's just... Drake was kind of... It's just Drake. music. Drake was like, kind of like bigger when we were in high school. He just emerged. No, no, he's... No, he's huge he's right old, now, man. Yeah, he's... 21, can you do that for me? I can't. 21, 21. I can't stand Drake. Can you hit a little rich flex it's for me? And 21, do your thing. Dude, you're 21, do your thing. <laughs> you're speaking another language to me right now. Drake is definitely giving me mixed signals in that song. but Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I think that about wraps everything up about men's mental health, uh, as well as you know all the subtopics in between. And as always, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. With that said, I'm Q. I'm A. I'm Matt. And we'll see you next time.